Jonah, it's a good day. I'm glad you're here. Um, my, my goal for you is that you won't be disappointed that you showed up. Amen? Because I think when we come to church, we should be glad we went. Um, my, my goal today is to invest into you. And I'll tell you a little story that some of you may have heard before. There was a, a man named Fred who decided to go sailing. And so he, he went, took a sailboat and he just went out, got caught in this huge storm. And it blew him hundreds of miles off course, uh, landed on a deserted island and was there for two years. Uh, so finally, the Navy sees this and they, they show up and he's the only guy there. And there's three huts. And so he's like, ah. and so he, he gets all his belongings out of the one hut. And one of the Navy guys says, Okay, that's your house, but what are the other two buildings? He goes, well, one on the right, that's my church. And he said, what's the one on the left? He goes, that's my old church. <laughs> Some of you are going, what? All right. <laughs> we're not talking about church hopping today, although I am going to mention it a little bit. Um, what we're going to talk about today is the, is the problem with paint. Okay, I, I told you last week that's the title of the message, and uh, you'll understand why in a little bit. Um, but I want to read to you. Just kind of my introduction, um, again, as a, as a church family, our goal and a vision for this year um, is to be visible and available in our community, and there's a lot of different ways we can do that. Uh, it's, not, it's not good to just be a Christian, like, it, just like it's not just good to be married. You want your marriage to what? To thrive and to grow. Uh, that's one reason my wife and I do our, our marriage group. Matter of fact, if your marriage is struggling, uh, you need to come to our life group tonight. And uh, if your marriage is not struggling, you need to come to our life group tonight and teach it, okay? Because we all can learn something. Um, I absolutely love my wife, love being married. We've married uh, 27 years um, and, and counting. Um, and we still have to work through stuff. And that's why I think we like to teach it is you can have a wonderful marriage because some people have ideas that this wonderful marriage is that you never argue about anything, you never disagree. That's just not true because you put two people together, you're always gonna have some sort of disagreement. Even like Fred, okay, he disagreed with himself and he was the pastor of the church and he ended up going to another one. Um, people were just funny, right? We, we have things that we disagree about. Um, but I do know this. We can agree today that, that God is good. Amen? Even in your circumstance, even with whatever it is that you're facing, he is good. Uh, so we've been talking about visible, being available in our community. What does a Christian look like? How should we be behaving? Um, God has a plan for your life, and it is good. I tell you this all the time because some of you need to be reminded that God has a plan, okay? And it's a good plan. And you need to just take one more step. Uh, you may not understand the plans. I mean, I could give you a set of plans, a house plans, and unless you're a builder, you wouldn't understand a lot of it, okay? We don't have to understand all God's plans in order to keep going, okay? To keep doing what God has asked us to do. So if you're in a tough spot today in life, my goal today is just to help you just to keep going, okay? Because God's doing something in your life, things that you don't even know about yet. So his desire, let me read this to you. His desire is to use you to make a difference in the lives of others. And he provides opportunities for us to do so. The struggle for most people is recognizing those opportunities and being available and willing to step through the door when it's open. Um, and so last week we talked about just being available. Like what is it that, that you can do to help somebody else? Um, evangelism, you know, we think sometimes evangelism is knocking on doors and you know, having a Bible. And that, that's not evangel evangelism. Evangelism is loving people. That's simply what it is. It's just loving people. It's using what God has given you uh, to give to someone else. So uh, this coming Wednesday, or this coming Wednesday, I'm talking a little fast because I got a lot of, you forgive me for talking fast. Just tell me, slow down. Just say it. Okay, so, so thank you if I'm, if I'm talking fast. I didn't even have coffee today, just so you know. It was orange juice, I know. Um, 
I was getting over, I got sick this last week, and so I was good. I just don't drink coffee when I wasn't feeling good. And um, anyways, so we talked about Jonah. We went into Jonah. So if you like verse by verse, Wednesday nights, um, at 7 o'clock, we do that. We, we, we go verse by verse, and we're going through the book of Jonah right now. We started our first chapter this week. And, and Jonah was, we relate a lot because our point was, as God said, go, Jonah said, no. If you don't know the story, Jonah was a prophet. And God said, there's this big city called Nineveh, and they're really, really wicked. And Jonah, I want you to go preach to them. Tell them I'm going to destroy them if they don't repent. And Jonah's like, I'm not doing it. Not going. God wants to forgive them. And Jonah says, no, Jonah's like this preacher, right? So you would think that a preacher would want to go see people saved. So in the end of the story, Jonah finally obeys after going through some hard stuff. And he, and he preaches to Nineveh. He's like, God's going to destroy you. He's going to kill you. And he's not, he's not like, hey, will you guys please repent? He's like, you're going to go to hell. I mean, he's mad. He's angry. He preaches this message and all he says is 40 more days and, and, and God's going to destroy you. And Nineveh repents like hundreds of thousands of people get right with God. And it's the greatest altar call in history, the greatest salvation in history, and Jonah's mad about it. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you'd be mad playing the lottery, but winning and being mad, throwing your ticket down. I can't believe I won. Uh, so we're, we, we're going through his life. And I discovered something that I thought of if Jonah, if you know college sports at all, Jonah, his favorite team would be University of Nevada, Las Vegas, because their, their names are the running rebels. And that's what Jonah was. Like, he's a running rebel. He's like, I'm going to run from God's law. I'm going to rebel against what God has called me to do. I hope you're not like that. I hope, and that's why we're going through Jonah's life to say, okay, don't be like him. God told him to do something. He's like, no, not doing it. And he suffered some consequences. Um, when we obey, things go a lot smoother in life. Yeah, it's just the way it is. And that's, I tell your kids the same thing. So um, I think I've told you in the past, or at least on a Wednesday night, that I, I kind of, I'm fascinated with anthills. Did anybody ever just see an anthill and you just look at it and you're like, anybody just don't care? How many of you used to blow anthills up? <laughs> oh, lots of us raise our hands up. Uh, but I have a fascination with anthills. Whenever I'm out hunting or hiking and I see an anthill, I always stop and just look because something so little can make a big difference. Why? Because they all work together. And there's something with the way God made ants is they will pick up rocks and little things heavier than their own body and they don't question it. Okay? They're like, this is what God made me to do and we're going to build something. Um, and so I got a little saying out of this and, and it's when we all do a little, a lot gets done. And that's what God has called us to do is to reach our city. So I'm going to tell you a little history that most of you don't care about. It's called the history of paint. All right. And I have, I have my little paint can here because I told you last week I would. And there's going to be a reason why I show you that. Um, how many of you have painted before? Like anybody painted professionally? Anybody about professionally? Like professional painters? Yeah. Okay. You got paid to do it. So that's kind of professional. Um, that's, that's what I did. That's what I still do have all my equipment. And, uh, when we first, my wife and I came to the church, I worked for the first four years cause we weren't big enough to, to have a paycheck. And so I painted houses. Uh, so to me, history of paints a little bit interesting. Now don't tune me out. Okay. Just cause you're not interested because I want, I want you to understand something on the history of paint. I'm going to read this to you. Um, super, super interesting. Okay. Contemporary paints and coatings, you're gonna, you're gonna understand every word. Contemporary paints and coatings consist of countless compounds uniquely formulated to fulfill a variety of requirements of hundreds of thousands of application. Paint ranges from the broad group of environmentally sound latex paints and many consumers use to decorate and protect their homes and translucent coatings that line the interior food containers to chemically complex multi-component finishes that automobile manufacturers apply on the assembly line. You're dismissed. 
<laughs> a lot of that meant nothing to you, right? You're like, what? Okay. I read it and I'm still like, that's very wordy. Okay. Just tell me what paint is for. Okay. Now there's a picture. Okay, 30,000 years ago, I didn't know they had cameras back then, but they, 30,000 years ago, uh, at least it's not 3 million. Okay, here's, here's what we need to know. It says, paints and coatings have evolved from simple early man colors on cave walls into a primary protective barrier between our possessions and our environment. See how below, and then it goes on about paint companies and, and the evolution of paint. Why is that important? Well, what I noticed here was that paint went from caveman colors on walls to its primary purpose is to protect us, or I'm sorry, protect what's important to us and the effects of environment. Now, paint is more important to you than you think, okay? Most of you this morning didn't think about paint. How many of you drove here? What color is your car? Okay, you know what color your car is, at least you should, Right? Okay, what is the paint doing on your car? Does it make it just look pretty or is it actually protecting metal that would rust if it didn't have paint on it? Okay, most of you didn't think about that. You didn't get in your car and go, wow, I'm sure glad my car's painted because it's really protecting the metal underneath it. You, you don't think of it, but the, sometimes the thing that is most necessary is the thing that's least noticed. And that's where I'm going with this message, okay? Your house is a certain color, okay? You, most of you have painted the house because you want it to look different or you want it to look pretty. For me, my my as a painter, I'm, this is going to protect the wood, okay? It's, it's, not, it's a great color, but I want the protection is more important to me than the color. I, I would never pick paint colors out for homeowners. There used to be a time where I used to give some input. Now I'm like, no, you pick it and I'll paint it, but I'm not picking it because if I pick it and you don't like it, it's my fault, okay? And I got a little bit smart to say, no, you do it and I'll, I'll, I'll do the paint for you, all right? Why do we talk about the history of paint? Because today we're going to look at how God's word is kind of like paint and how it needs to be applied to our lives. So let me read you, uh, for the sake of time, my introduction. My concern is that our faith in Jesus, which is designed to save us from hell and keep us from being corroded by the world, has become more about colors than the original purpose. As humans, we really like options, but options aren't always a good thing. Sometimes the more options we have, the more confused we get. You ever been to a buffet? Does everybody get exactly the same thing? No, buffets are great because why? There's lots of options, okay? Have you ever been to a restaurant where you've had 10 minutes to look at the menu as you're in line and you get to the line and then you don't know what you want? Me? Not really. Like, I'm pretty simple. Um, how many of you struggle with that, though? But you've had a lot of time, but you get up there and you're still trying to, you know, can you take the onions off the onion burger and the cheese off the cheeseburger? And, and, and right, we have these ideas of, can I change all this stuff? Um, options aren't always a good thing. There was a, a little restaurant in Boise. If, if you've been here very long, uh, I went to it about 29 years ago, and it was called the Dutch Oven. Does anybody remember the Dutch Oven? Okay, good. I got some fellow... Idahoans that you probably born and raised here. Um, the Dutch oven, you didn't get an option. It was a hamburger joint. There was kind of a crusty old guy who owned the, the little, it's a little hole in the wall and you didn't order. You went in, sat down, he looked at you. I think, did you get, did Matt, did, we, did you get to do medium rare or was it, did he just cook it? You remember? Okay. I almost think that he, he might've asked you how you wanted it. But he didn't ask you what you want with it. He, you, get, you got what he owes. You got a hamburger. You got some like fruit salad. And the Coke poured it was in a cup out of a two liter bottle. He bought at Albertsons. I mean, honestly, that's how they serve. And you didn't, and it was $5. 
Okay, you paid five bucks, but you didn't, the waitress didn't come and take your order. You got, you got a hamburger. That was it. And there was a gentleman who came in there and asked if they served anything else. And the guy, he's like, you can go somewhere else. I mean, he was that crazy. He was, he was like horse racing. You know, his whole thing was horse racing, but it was one of the best hamburgers you'd ever have. Okay. You went there because there was no options that you wanted a hamburger. That's where you went. And so, um, Sometimes options actually kind of mess us up. Um, now, I had this idea because of where I'm going now is I was going to hand cotton balls out to everybody so that you had something soft to play with as I talked about a hard subject. <laughs> but I didn't. I was like, I did that. they're fine. They'll be all right. Here's where my message can become offensive, so I wrote this instead. Here's what I need from you. I need your permission to go on in this message. That's what I need. I need your permission to go on um, because I know this. A hearer has to give permission to the speaker. You have to. We're going to talk about some things in the next minute that could possibly be a little bit offensive to you, but probably not because you're actually in church. Amen. So go you. I'm glad you're here. I'm proud of you. Um, it's actually written to the person who is not in church today. So look at the empty chair and just say you missed out. And you can do that. And we're on live. So if you're here with us, then you're not really missing. Here's a scripture let's get into. It says this. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Again, it's a habit thing, not, hey, I'm going hunting, I'm going camping, I'm going on vacation, that's no big deal. He says, it's a habit, okay? But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's Hebrews 10, 25. Um, what's the challenge here? He's saying, don't get into the habit of missing church. Why? Because, because we need it. We need the word of God. We need to be around other Christians. We need to be around other Christians who are struggling because we're all in different levels of our walk with God, but we're all going the same direction. If you've given your life to Christ, um, we're all at different places, but we all need to grow. We all need to be exposed to God's word. Um, your kids need to be in church. Why? Because five days a week, they're exposed. If they're not going to a Christian school, they're exposed to some principles and things that, that aren't godly, okay? And, and, if, and if they are, they're hearing stuff on the playground that's not godly. All right. You didn't even have to, your kids know probably more than you do about the birds and the bees these days, right? And they know a lot of wrong information. So I believe as a pastor and as, as youth leaders that we need to teach our kids the right way from the word of God in church. And there's things really that are not off limits. If the Bible says it, we talk about it. Okay, so we need to be in church. And he's saying here, and all the more as you see the day approaching, what is the day? It's the day of the Lord. It's when Jesus comes back. And I believe he's coming back sooner. We're one week closer than we were last week to him coming back. We don't know when he's coming back, but I know that he is. What I can tell you is I see things going on in the world going, it's close, okay? And he's saying, you know, don't, don't be in the habit of just skipping church because you don't feel like going, but we, we come together as a church family and we learn the word of God and we're, we're together and we're as a, a, a unit to make a difference while we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Okay, now let me tell you something here. Um, Anybody, if you've ever been in law enforcement or know 10 code, um, you know 10-4, most everybody knows 10-4, right? Well, in, in, in law enforcement, 10 code has things like 10-25 means I want to meet up with you. Like if I was a cop and I would say, hey, Matt, can we 10-25 at Starbucks? That means can we meet together? <laughs> he says no. Uh, Dutch bros, okay. Where do you want to meet, Matt? All right. I'm over two. Goodwood, okay, Barbara, Goodwood, all right. <laughs> I struck out on my illustration right there. Um, so you can remember 1025, all right? 1025 means meet together, and I thought it was kind of ironic that the, word, that the scripture actually means don't give up meeting together. Uh, so here's what I want to talk about. Um, I was born in 1970, uh, so I grew up through the 70s, 80s, and 90s going to church uh, three times a week. We went Sunday morning, we went Sunday night, we went Wednesday night. Uh, how many of you 
had the same experience growing up. You just, that's just when you went to. How many of you did not do that? How many of you didn't go to church growing up at all? How many of you don't want to go to church now? <laughs> just, just see where we were going with that. Uh, you're listening, that's good. Okay, there was, there was uh, quite a few people in first service as well that grew up like me, that you grew up just going to church. Sunday morning you had church, Sunday night you had church, and Wednesday night you had church. And it wasn't a question like, hey, are we going to church? It was, that's what we did. I mean, that was just the family thing. It was like sitting down for dinner. I never asked my mom, hey, are we having dinner? Because we had dinner at six o'clock every night. Uh, it was just what we did as a family. Well, something happened in the late 90s. And I remember the shift because I was in ministry where, where Sunday nights begin to dwindle. Okay, Sunday school begin to dwindle. Okay, and because I grew up in Sunday school, you'd go to Sunday school, then you'd go to church, and then you'd go home. Uh, and and they and people quit coming to Sunday school, so there was this shift that took place, and pretty soon Wednesday nights started dropping off. So Sunday nights kind of died out, Wednesday nights died out, and now it's pretty much a Sunday morning only type of thing. Um, and and I, I was like, okay, why did this happen? What, what was what was the cause? Is there? Is it people don't love Jesus anymore? What, what's, what's going on? Because there's all these questions that you ask um, as to why things have changed, why things have, have gotten different. Well, nowadays, regular church attendance, according to Barna, I believe, is twice a month. It's like, whoa. So you go from 20, you know, 30 years ago where your three times a week is normal to now twice a month is normal. And I was like, what shifted? What, what took place? Because I'm, I'm an analyzer. Some of you are like that. You're mechanics and your brain goes, okay, here, here's a problem. What's the symptom? What's actually, or the symptom? What's actually the problem? So here was my question. What changed this? I asked this myself. What changed this? Was it options? Well, nowadays you have a lot of options. There's, you know, the shows on Wednesday night or there's Sunday night football. There's, there's a lot of things that want to take your time. What happened? But my real reason came down to this. We think we don't need it. That's really the honest thing is we think we don't need it. When I don't eat food, why don't I eat food? It's because I don't think I need it. If I don't exercise, it's because, let's be honest, we don't really think, we, we know we need it, but we don't think we need it enough to do it. So, so what has happened spiritually, um, did we fall out of love with Jesus? I don't think so. I just think we saw a cultural shift where other things became a little more important and where God almost became an option, okay? And here's my, here's my fear is that as an American church, when we just skip church a lot, we're really telling our kids, now your walk with God may be strong, but their walk, what you're really saying is it's not important. Well, then they're gonna grow up and they're gonna raise kids and all of a sudden we have this idea that if you don't think you need to, then you don't have to. I mean, honestly. So again, we're just talking as a family here. We're talking about the people that aren't in church today. You're here, Amen. right? So just, I'm proud of you for that. But I'm checking my own heart here. Why don't we think we need it? We don't think we need it. What about prayer in school? Why do we get prayer out of school? It's because we didn't think we needed it, right? I mean, there was this thing about, oh, we don't need to be prayer in school. Well, I'm proud, guys, whether you like him or not, I'm proud to have a president who says prayer needs to be in schools, okay? I appreciate that, but there's a lot of things that he'll tweet that I'm like, oh, ouch, um, don't, you know? Like, but, but I appreciate the fact that he is on the side of the Christians. I really believe that. Um, and again, the Bible talks about leaders and authority that God places them there, okay? Whether you like our presidents, whoever they are or not, you gotta pray for them. Right. And the Bible says to do that. And so, um, again, I'm not political. I'm just saying the Bible says to pray for our leadership. So has our faith 
become more about color and not the protection of our hearts. See, I'm trying to twine all our just get all this together. Has our faith become more about the colors, about what looks pretty? And I'll go to a church if it has, you know, great lights and great worship and really good coffee um, and, and, you know, popping this, popping that. And that's, that's what attracts me. And that's all good and fine. Okay. But we also need the word of God preached in a way that we can say, okay, I need to live this. I need conviction. I need to be people. If I'm being stupid, I need somebody to tell me I'm being stupid. <laughs> God gave me a wife. Because my wife is, she's amazing, honestly. And there's times that she's like, stand, stop, all right? Because I get into my little childish whatever, and she loves me enough to tell me the truth. Not because she dislikes me, it's because she loves me enough to say, hey, this can change, okay? This can change. That was probably one of the biggest shocks of marriage was that my wife was willing to tell me stuff my mom didn't want to. (laughs) She's like, no, he's yours now. You can deal with it, Um, which is great. And I love my mom. Okay, but here's what I think. I I believe that we seem to be raising a generation to believe this, that if you don't want to, then you don't need to. And we can can teach this without even trying to, just by simple behavior. Uh, What about chores, okay? I believe that every kid should do chores. You made the mess, you can help clean up the mess, right? You live under my roof, you should keep your room clean. And, And it shouldn't be an option, but if you give your kid an option, Hey, do you want to clean your room or not? No, I don't want to. Okay, then no, it's, everything's cool. You, you're trying to be more their friend than their parent, and that's, that's not good parenting. Okay? Good parenting says, I really don't care if you don't want to, you will. You will clean your room. You will help around the house. You will take your plate back, then you will wash it. You won't just leave it for somebody else. Um, and, and we can get this thing where I don't want to offend my kids, but that becomes bad parenting because we're not teaching them to be responsible. Can you imagine if God looked down on a Christian church and says, you guys, you know, if you really don't want to obey those laws, then don't have to. I'll love you anyway. I mean, I'll love you anyway, but there is consequences. What if God gave you an option about whether you needed to obey? How many of y'all would like drive 180 miles an hour down the road? What if a cop gave you an option? No, I know the speed limit says, but if if it offends you, then go ahead and go 180 and I won't pull you over. How many of y'all would speed? Come on, my hand's up. I'm being honest. So you bunch of liars. You're out there. Oh, no, I would still obey. No, you wouldn't. Actually, if you would, I'd get there faster because I'd blow right by you. All right. We, we, if we get to break the law, we tend to break the law. All right. So God wants us to obey his word because it will bring a blessing. All right. And it's a slow process when we, I call it a slow fade, when we begin to lose our passion for God's word. There's a, there's a house in our area. Um, if you drive Cloverdale Road, I'm not going to tell you exact location, and, and you don't live in it, I hope. Uh, there's a house in the area that I've been watching for several years. Several years ago, I said, that house needs a paint job. I mean, it, it's, it's, I, can, I can see through it because I... If you paint, you can see things that other people don't notice. Um, and I thought, man, that needs, that needs to be painted. And it hasn't been, years have gone by, and I go by it probably once a month. And it's now to the point that it needs to do siding. You know, and it's a nicer house and it's on some acreage and it could be worth quite a bit, especially in today's economy. But I, I thought, why, why aren't they fixing it? Why, how come, why don't they paint it? Why didn't they paint it? Well, now because of neglect, it's gotten worse and worse and it's gonna cost a whole lot more. Well, in our lives, it's the same way. When we begin to neglect, okay, living God's word, really doing what God's word is, we will slowly begin to dilapidate spiritually until we come to a point where there needs to be an entire redo and that's never fun. And it's always costly. So, so maintenance, preventive maintenance is always better than having to redo the whole thing. See, I'm a big believer in preventive maintenance. Um, I see it because that's what I look for as a painter. Now, as a pastor, I see the same thing spiritually with people. I've never seen a family get stronger in Jesus by pulling out of regular church attendance together. 
I've never had somebody just quit going to church and went, man, we're just doing great for God. You usually, usually what I see is kids begin to rebel. They begin to do their own thing. Um, now, is it my job to pastor people who don't come here? Not really. Although I do pastor a community. I've been here long enough that um, you know, I know a lot of people and I love our community. Um, and I see people that don't go to our church that ask me for advice. I mean, they'll talk to me. Can you pray for me? And that's how I look at it. It's not just our church family, but I get to pastor a whole community. And that's cool. That's a lot of fun to do that. It also means I have to really watch how I drive because I've had the same pickup for a long time and they know me. And when my wife drives my truck, I'm like, just be careful, babe, because they think it's me. I mean, she's a lot cuter. Um, and, uh, and my son, the same way, when he drives my truck, I'm just like, just obey the speed laws, man, because they know my pickup. Um, you know, so we got to be careful. And it has a seal sticker on it, which is good for me. All right. Preventative maintenance. My pastor in California, he tells a story about his wife. Um, he, they love to garden and she has this rose bush and she planted it or had him plant it in one spot. And then the next year she decided, I don't want it there. So she had to move it. So he digs it up and he moves it to another spot. You can tell what happened the third year. She's like, yeah, I don't like it there either. And, and the more he transplanted it, the, the weaker it became. And he tells the story in church that when you're like that, spiritually, you're just jumping around, jumping around. You never establish a good root system to become healthy. And, and you need to do that. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, my perspective is that we filled our lives up with so much stuff that God gets crowded out. Um, honestly, ministry can be like this sometimes for me. Here's what I have to guard. I have to guard the fact that I can get so busy with ministry, I forget why I do it. Just like we can get so busy in our marriage that we we're, we're making a living, we're raising kids, we're working, besides, we're doing all this stuff that we actually forget about each other. And so the whole point really of today is, is to show us that we can take something that's really precious and make it so common that we forget about it and it can dilapidate and it can go on the wayside. And I don't want that to happen um, in our life because life really is all about priorities. Now, here's the good news that we can have both the protection and we can have colors that make us feel good. You can have a life when you live it right because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus says, when you seek me, you'll have the protection. And when you seek me, I will add stuff to it. I will make life fun. A lot of people think being a Christian is like this drudgery thing. Guys, I have more fun as a Christian than anybody, right? I have a wonderful marriage, an amazing, amazing wife um, is why I have a wonderful marriage. And we put work into it. And, and I, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. I was at Bymart yesterday. I was just, I was checking out and the guy said, how's your day going? I said, man, it's going good. I said, I don't have very many bad days. He goes, and that's really good to hear that, that, that like, because he hears a lot of bad stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't talk about my Thursday flu experience. <laughs> you didn't want to see me Thursday. Um, whoever gave it to me, thank you. Um, you're teaching compassion. It was probably actually my kid. And I had that 24 hour bug and, and it had been going around and I was like, just Jesus help me to get through Wednesday night. And then Thursday it hit me. And, uh, but God is still good, right? Sometimes we have to go through something hard to have compassion on those who are going through some stuff. Okay. Because if you never get sick, you will never have compassion on sick people. If you've never had an addiction, you will not likely have compassion on those who are addicted. If you've never gone through combat, you, you, you won't have com compassion on those who have gone through combat. And there's a lot of things that you have gone through that gives you the right to speak into somebody who's going through it. So don't ever, don't ever despise the things you have faced, even if they were sinful. If you get through it, you get forgiven to say, God, how can you use this? How can, how can, how can you use me through this? I didn't like it. I wouldn't have chose it. But God, can you use this? And God says, absolutely. 
Okay? God says absolutely. So again, you use your story for his glory. So life is all about priorities. It really is. Life is about priorities. Uh, my heart is that we all would be growing in our walk with God and do what it takes to get there. Uh, which brings us to our verse in Luke, uh, where Jesus kind of corrects this lady who's actually says something good about his mom. It's, kinda, it's a verse I've never preached on, and it jumped out at me this, this last week. Um, Jesus didn't worry too much about offending people when they needed to hear something. Okay? He just said what needed to be said. And so let's close with this verse in Luke chapter 11. And I'll give you a little bit of a backstory here. Jesus had been uh, just traveling around, preaching, talking about good things. And so we're going to briefly go through what he's talking about in chapter 11. But it's actually the inverse that's really important. So let's say a little bit of a foundation from here. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, and when you pray, say this, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now your version may have, uh, have a little bit of changes, but the gist is still there. And then he says this, it's kind of a funny story. He says, suppose one of you has a friend. You ever notice how Jesus switches gears? Like he's talking about somebody in, Okay, I'm a lot like Jesus, I've been told. I'm like the ADD preacher. I'll be preaching along and something will jump out at me. Uh, okay, just like what just happened. And uh, so then he said to them, he, goes, he does a story. Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on our journey has just come to my house and I have nothing to set before him. And I'd be like, well, that's on you, buddy. You should have went shopping. Uh, but he did it. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are with me in bed. So uh, my literal brain's going, how's he talking to the guy? Uh, it must be like a window, because in the old times, you know, he's probably looking through a rock window. Um, he says, I can't get up with you and give you anything. I tell you, though, though, he will not get up and give him bread because, just because he's his friend, yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. In other words, you can bug somebody enough until they give you what you want. I'm not saying this is a biblical method. <laughs> it's, it's not a good thing to annoy people, but I think children understand this because they ask over and over and over and over again, right? Kids automatically live this out. And so Jesus is teaching the thing here. He said, when you pray, pray a certain way. And prayer is just talking to God, okay? You don't have to follow that exact thing. You just pray along these lines. And then he says, in your prayer life, be persistent, be persistent. Keep praying. You might not have gotten your answer, and this is for you today. Some of you have been praying a prayer, and you're like, I haven't heard nothing back. What is Jesus telling? He's saying, be persistent in it. Sometimes I think God just wants to know how serious you are about it, and he'll let you keep asking. He'll keep you less. And that's what Jesus says here. Be persistent in your prayer life. So if you haven't got the answer yet, just keep going. Just keep praying. Why? Because timetable is a big deal. He goes on to say in verse nine, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who receives, I'm sorry, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open. Uh, and so he goes on to, to say some things like this, okay? Be persistent in your prayer life. Ask, seek, knock. He's, he's just saying some really good stuff. And then there's a lady that's listening to all this and I'm telling you all this for a reason. We're going somewhere. And then Jesus drives out a demon in verse 14, okay? This, this, this man was mute. In other words, he couldn't talk. And it says, when the demon left, and this verse makes me laugh, it says, the man who had been dumb spoke. <laughs> 
Now we know the, the biblical term dumb was like he couldn't talk, but I'm just thinking he was an idiot. And sometimes idiots speak. And it says, and the people were amazed. So my, this is how my brain thinks when I'm reading my Bible, uh, because I just chuckled. And then the, then the dumb man spoke, and I, we hear lots of dumb man speak. And, uh, you know, be careful what you tweet, be careful what you post, because you can come across as the dumb one. Um, and the crowd was amazed, all right? So Jesus cast a demon out of this guy, and I'm like, okay, so there was a demon causing this guy to not be able to talk? And the answer is yes. And I'm like, Man, that's weird, you know, because we know there's medical stuff, but my brain goes, okay, well, is there demon-possessed people today that have these issues that we think is just a medical condition? And I don't want to get too into that because that kind of freaks my brain out um, because we know there's, again, physical things that happen. But the crowd was amazed, okay? Where am I going with this whole thing? There was a woman that's listening to this whole thing, the very end of the story, and she's listening to Jesus say all these amazing things. She sees him cast out demons. She sees him say amazing things on how to pray and how to be persistent. And she makes this comment out of nowhere, like we, like one of you ladies yelling at me as I'm preaching, you know, uh, if you really liked it, you would say something great about my mom. Because that's what this lady says. And my mom is amazing. And here's what this woman says. As Jesus was saying these things, verse 27, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus is like, yeah, you talk about my mama, Mary. Yeah, she's going to be famous when I die. I mean, no, he, he just says this. <laughs> he says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Well, he's like, ah, it wasn't quite what I was looking for, right? You ever get the answer you're not looking for? And I think this lady probably kind of cowered down. She was like, I was just trying to be a blessing to you. You ever been trying to be a blessing and you got kind of shouted at like that? I don't know what this woman felt. I don't know how she took it. I don't know the tone of voice Jesus said. I don't know if he said it with a smile. He probably did because uh, I know Jesus wasn't, wouldn't be harsh with her because he loved his mom. But this is the verse that caught my attention was blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it, okay? And what I heard this morning in, in my prayer time and thinking about this verse that I wrote down in just my hand notes is th because it almost sounds like a threat, right? Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God, but you can kind of take that like, whoa, is this kind of a threat thing? But, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me this morning that it wasn't a threat, it's a formula, Okay, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. When you hear the word of God and you obey the word of God, good things happen. So Jesus is saying here, not chastising this woman. He was saying, hey, you'll be blessed if you hear what I say and do what I say. And do what I say. This leads me to this question. Who did Jesus seem to have the biggest problem with in this time? Who was it? It was the Pharisees. If you've studied it all or been around me you know, in our, our Wednesday night, Jesus had more problem with the religious people who knew the word of God, but wasn't doing it. In other words, they had the paint, but they weren't applying it. The paint stayed in the bucket. They were men that, that, that said, hey, I love God because of what I do. And I know the word of God because I've studied it my whole life. And Jesus had a bigger problem with those people than anybody, the religious people. Well, where does that leave us today? And here's some hope. If you are a new Christian or you don't know a whole lot about the word of God, God is more proud of you for living what you do know than he is for somebody who knows the whole Bible well and is not doing anything. Okay? So that gives, that gives you hope. I don't want you to think that you have to be this biblical scholar to be used by God. God will use anybody that's willing. You just gotta be willing to apply it. Okay, so... This leaves us with four problems with paint and how it relates to our Christianity. And here's how I want to end this. Number one, 
Well, before I go on, have you seen the team that Jesus picked? Have you read who he picked in the Bible? Did he go around picking for the Bible scholars? He's like, oh, how much the Bible you know? The whole thing, okay, you're on my team. <laughs> you know who Jesus picked on his team? Peter, the guy that had a problem cussing, right? He, he still cussed. He, he still cussed when he was in the garden when they asked him, do you know this guy? He's like, oh, blanket, blank. No, I don't know that guy. I mean, Peter still had problems. That'd be a good title for a sermon, <laughs> Peter with Problems. Um, is there not a Peter in here? Because you'd be a good example. Come talk to me. Um, <laughs> all right. Peter had issues, okay? Matthew, tax collector. I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems in Jesus' team. So don't think you can't be on Jesus' team because of your past. God will pick you. He just wants your willingness. So four problems with paint and how it relates to our Christianity. Again, if something speaks to you, take a picture of it. Um, that's kind of the easiest way to take notes these days. Number one, paint doesn't apply itself. Okay, that's the one problem with paint is it does not apply itself. For it to protect the house, it has to be applied. The same thing with the word of God. The word of God will not apply itself to your life. You can read it, you can own it, you can have it, you can have 50 million Bibles, but if you don't apply it yourself, it's never gonna protect anything. See, it's not the knowing, it's the doing, right? It's, it's not knowing that I have paint, it's actually applying the paint. And applying the paint sometimes, guys, can be messy. How, how do we know what color's in that? Because it's all over it, right? I don't think that's my fault. I think somebody else used that can. Uh-huh. Uh, it's probably true, actually. Maybe not, who knows? It doesn't matter. You know why we know what color is on the outside? It's because what's on the inside. You see, you can be a nice, pretty paint can and nobody knows really what you're made of until you're opened or until you're dropped. And what I found out in life is when we do our best for God, sometimes it's messy. Sometimes we'll get paint on stuff and we'll sin and we'll blow it. But God is just glad that we're trying See, I don't want to get to heaven and go, God, here's my perfectly clean paint can. I never opened it up. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, you didn't sin a whole lot, but you didn't make much difference. Okay? You, didn't, you weren't around people much. You didn't really do anything. God wants us to open it up and he wants, to, wants us to apply it. And that's the only way that's going to protect. But again, life can be messy. Number two, paint can be stirred but not changed. You can be stirred today. You can go, wow, that was a great message. I'm really going to do this. Um, but it doesn't change you. We can hear a great message, we can be challenged, but if we don't do something different in our lives, it remains the same. If, if you've ever been to a paint store, which most of you had, the, you know the most paint, if not all paint, starts out white? I like think when you go pick a paint that you want this color and you want this purple, they have to actually put pigments in there, and then what they do, they shake it all up, and that's what changes it. Now, if you put a, a paint bucket in a stir thing it can be stirred up and shaken but if you didn't add anything else to it it comes out the same color it went in and sometimes we do this we come into church and we leave the same color and we're like yeah that was a good message but i don't really want to apply it to my life i really don't want to change it and god doesn't want us to be like that okay amen, amen. all right uh, on that note how's your new year's resolutions going let's move to number three who all made new year's resolutions some of you aren't even willing to admit it. Wow, I had like one person raise their hand. Let's talk about lying. Like how many of you really all made news resolutions? Just come on, just humor me. I had like two people raise their hand. Wow. How many of you just don't care? Okay. How many of you make the resolution when you need to, not New Year's? Ah, I raised your right because um, I do the same thing. First service was a whole lot worse because um, they groaned when I mentioned that, but go, you, go, go good, good job. All right, number three, let's move on. 
Number three, paint needs time to dry. <laughs> Why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem <laughs> because we don't like the process of drying. We want it paint, and we want it now. We want it to look great now. You know the ugliest time of painting is when it's drying down. You ever seen it? You paint it, and it like, looks really splotchy because it's drying at different, at different times. Um, the ugliest part of painting is usually during the dry down. But here's the deal. We struggle with the process. We struggle with, with going through the process it takes to be changed. Now, paint gets put on, and we'll talk about water-based paint, which is what this is. So it's, it's in liquid form because there's water in it. Well, then it gets put on the wall, and then what evaporates? The water, okay? The water disappears, and the solids are left, and that's what creates the rubberized protection. Well, in our lives, there's a lot of times that God paints us, so to speak, but we want to be solid all of a sudden, and God says, no, there's a process, some of you today, right now, you are confused. You're like, God, I, I've obeyed you. I've done the best I can, and I don't know what's going on. And God never look, goes back and goes, I don't know either. God always knows what's going on in your life. And what God is telling you today, there's a process. Be patient with yourself. Be patient in the process because progress always has a process. And the process isn't always pretty. But the end result is. So if you're facing something today, my word for you, or hopefully God's word for you, is just to be patient. Let it play out. See how it happens. Just keep serving God. Keep doing what's right. And I believe that God is going to show you in the end that it's going to be something beautiful. Number four, when paint sits, it spoils. Most of us have probably went to get the touch-up paint out of wherever, and we're like, clunk, 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 clunk. What happened? Well, when paint sits and not being used for what it's supposed to be used for, it just, it just spoils. As a Christian, God wants us to be active in our faith. He wants us to be doing something. He doesn't want us just to sit around and wait. Sometimes we have to wait. Other times we have to be ready when he wants to use us. So if we sit, we will spoil. It's not made to stay in the can. It's made to be used. Here's what I don't want to become. I don't ever want to become a cruise control Christian on my way to heaven, but merely existing instead of making a difference in the lives of those around me. I don't want to be a cruise control Christian because cruise control is good. I tell my kids when they're driving, cruise control is your friend. Okay, set it at the speed limit and, and be there and you'll probably be fine. But cruise control is not a Christian's friend. Cruise control is not a Christian's friend. Why? Because we can just get into this mode. Cruise control is not a marriage's friend. Okay, because we can just get lazy in it. God wants us to continue to, uh, to go further in our walk with him. So my challenge to you today is to grow. It's to grow. It's to take what maybe we've learned today. Um, and I understand that not all of this message applies to everybody, but I hope that one part of the message applies to you personally, that you know what it is that, that you need to deal with. Uh, I hope there was one phrase that I said today that will give you some hope, especially if you're going through a hard time. Okay, If you're going through a hard time, I, I, just hold on. Just hold on and keep going. Other times you need to know what to let go of. <laughs> if you've been here very long, you you've know my story about the horse that I was riding and the horse figured out that it didn't have a bit in its mouth because it was a pretty good horse. And I didn't cinch the saddle down because I wasn't planning on riding very far. I was going from one end to our pasture to the other and it took off running. And I, all I had was like a lead rope around it and I had no control and it started running. I'm going, ah! And then it turned. And when it turned, you ever... You know that gravity always wins? <laughs> and when he turned, I just flew off and I held on to the leader of the rope and he was dragging me. I mean, he was running. I was, and I am, I'm gonna win this. And, I'm just, and, he, and finally he stopped and he's like, idiot. And I'm like, I won. And then I realized my whole backside was all just skin. And I mean, it was, I was bloody. And I was like, I did not win. I failed, I, I lost. Sometimes you have to know when to let go. 
Some of you are holding on to something that's dragging you through the pasture and you're just holding on to it because of your pride. And, and, and sometimes you'd be like, you know, the, the wise thing is just to let go of it because all it is is gonna hurt you. The horse did not change his behavior. He just looked at me and went, stupid. I looked back and went, you're right, okay. The horse is no longer with us. I didn't do nothing to the horse, just so you know. I sold it, <laughs> I sold it. All right, good horse, amen. This help anybody today? I could go for another 10 minutes, but if I don't need to, I'll let you home. Give me a better amen than that. Okay, good, just checking, because I'll preach at you, you know I can talk, amen. I can talk, well, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word, and, uh, and there's a lot of stuff we covered today, and it's always the danger of preaching um, so many different things, but I pray that, that you would have talked to, to every individual here on where we need to grow, uh, where we need to apply your word, not just know it, but do it. Um, show us the, the major areas that we need to work on. Uh, we know that you don't expect us to work on every problem at once, but to focus on the, the important ones. And so I uh, just give you praise for that. And, um, and now church, if you would just keep your heads bowed. The biggest question, the biggest thing for me today and the biggest thing for God is that you're right with him today. You need to know that, that God loves you so much. And most of us in this place have given our lives to him and we're just working on it. And we're trying to be the best Christian we can be. But salvation is a choice, okay? The Bible talks about heaven and hell, and that, I take that very serious, and there's two destinations when we die. And you get to choose where you go. And if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that if we die without accepting him as our savior, that we spend eternity in hell paying for our own sins. Well, that's not what God wants, okay? It's not what he wants. What he wants is for us to give our, our sins to him uh, because that's why Jesus died on the cross. He died to take our sins away. But we have to accept that. We have to verbally say, God, I, I, I believe you, whether we say it in our heart or out loud, we have to accept what he did to get that. And if you've never made that decision and you want forgiveness of your sins, you want a new life, I promise you that the moment you give your life to him, okay, your sins will be wiped out and you'll be on your way to heaven. And if that's you today, you've never made that decision or maybe you're just so far from God, you need to come home. Would you just lift your hand up where I can see it? I'm not gonna point you out or embarrass you, but I just wanna give you that opportunity today. If you wanna pray, just that prayer of forgiveness, I'd love to pray it with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today at all? Not gonna take a long time, but I just wanna be sure everybody is very clear on what it is. Okay, all right, I don't see any hands. Father, I thank you. Lord, I, I pray that that's proof that every single one of us have accepted you as, as, as our savior. And um, if somebody's kind of scared too, that they would do it at home, that they would just seek your forgiveness and, and, and recognize that Jesus died for their sins. And we thank you for hope. I pray for those today, Father, who may be going through just a hard time. Father, just maybe the life isn't even worth living right now, but I pray that they would understand that it is, that you have a plan, that you have a purpose. And their job is to live through it one more day, to say, God, I'm just gonna hold on one more day and get up in the morning and say the same thing. So we love you, we thank you for that. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I preached shorter to you than the first cross, so you must have needed it less. Amen. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh